1: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the OutKick Network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
2: Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 underway Tuesday edition from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, and across the OutKick Network. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. PK back with us next week. A lot to get to today. We've got headlines straight ahead. John McClain joins us in hour number two as he does each and every Tuesday. And we will talk all things NFL with the general, John McClain, who has covered the league for five decades. Uh, We'll start with Deshaun Watson with the 24th uh, plaintiff and accuser now on that account uh, on on that filing from last week. We will uh, dive back in to what this is all about and what it means ultimately for the timing of a possible suspension to Deshaun Watson. Again, McLean coming up an hour from now. Coach JB, Jason Brown from Last Chance U on Netflix with us in 20 minutes. Looking forward to this chat. Chad, I know you have watched this series. Uh, in fact, years ago, you said Hutton, You need to watch Last Chance U. You'll love it. I have seen clips, uh, not full seasons, but I do know that Jason Brown is as animated of a coach as you'll find at any level. And for two seasons, I'm sure he was the draw on seasons three and four of Last Chance U.
0: Well, with all due respect to Jason Brown, uh, the show was never better than it was in season one at East Mississippi Community College. And I'm forgetting the name of the coach uh, there right now, but I can see his face. And he was a big-time draw uh, from that season. It was very controversial. Also, not as controversial as Jason Brown, who we're going to have on here in about 18 minutes. Um, I would describe his two seasons as chaos on the show. Yeah. I mean, it was total chaos. There were moments of chaos and moments of belief that, okay, This guy's really good, and he's helping these young men out in the East Mississippi Community College days. I don't know that I can say the same about Jason Brown's season. It was chaos throughout, start to finish, when he was coaching at Independence College in Kansas. It's highly entertaining. He has a big personality. Uh, He is not afraid to mix it up with anyone. You're going to hear that in the interview today. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure he's got a strong opinion On everything happening in football right now, specifically college football. So I look forward to talking to Jason Brown coming up in about 15 minutes.
2: And he's got his own podcast where he uh, gets after it there as well. Uh, Again, uh, Jason Brown from Last Chance U with us on Outkick 360. Good afternoon to you, Chad. Hope things are well. Things are good. Uh, Got my phone situation figured out. Same phone. This
0: morning, same phone. Uh, Got a call from someone. It actually came through. And I'm thinking, oh, it it's, startled a, it, it's a miracle. Like, oh, is this a, what is this weird thing on my phone? From oh, the it's, future. It's a phone call. <laughs> it's from both the past and the future all at once. So got the call. That was working. I can now call out. I called you at one point today, Hutton, which was nice. A nice uh, difference from yesterday. Yep. When got the SIM card situation figured out, uh, the guy at T-Mobile looked at my phone and said, you know, I, I, he said, look, you're due an upgrade. You, you can get an iPhone 13 for $30 right now. It's taking you so long to upgrade phones. And I said, you know, this may sound dumb, no. but I really like my current phone. I like the size of it. These iPhone 13s are too big. I don't want it. It's, it's, I it's actually bulkier than the one that I have now. I like the OtterBox that I have on this one. I drop it everywhere. And he said, I completely Your get phone. it. phone. Now, this, this was interesting to me, though. He said one big issue with people that prefer the older iPhone is the the home button. He said, if you just want the home button and don't want to lose that, there is a certain version of the newer ones that you can get that are cheaper that still have the home button. And I told him when I upgrade,
2: I will be wanting the one
0: with the home button.
2: That does, take but some that day is not to today.
0: That day was not today. Your I kept phone, the phone,
2: Chad, is like a, a, the pair of sunglasses that I could purchase from Walmart versus going to Sunglass Hut and spending two hundred fifty bucks. I will either lose or break or scratch the expensive pair within a week, two weeks. Uh, the one from Walmart. I could throw them on the ground, run them over with a push mower. Uh, they're lasting forever. That is your cell phone. You have, no offense, the Walmart version it's of nine smartphones. Lives. And there's no reason to get rid of that. A good pair of a, a good uh, pair of sunglasses and a good old cell phone, you can't go wrong. Well,
0: I like the sunglass analogy. And I'll also say that there's nothing that I can't do on this phone. I am not restricted in any way. I have everything I need on this phone. I can text I can, well, not as of yesterday, I couldn't, but I can now call on the phone with a new SIM card. I've got Twitter. I've got Facebook. I've got Instagram. I've got a camera on it where the pictures look fine. There's nothing that I can't do on this phone. So why would I change it to get something slightly more sleek uh, that's actually bigger, even though it's it's thinner than the current phone? I just really like this phone, so why get rid of a good thing? The day will come where it's just going to completely malfunction. Much like Hutton, you've hinted at the conspiracy of the auto update, and when you update your phone, it makes your phone worse. I haven't hit that point yet where it completely craps out, but that may happen in the next year or two. I'm, I'm guessing that's probably going to happen.
2: So my, my theory from the start of the show, which was 2012, was these these updates that Apple would send you, were on uh, on purpose they were slowing down your device right around the time that either a holiday or summer was about to uh, come about and they were launching either their new product which would be christmas or the update to the product which is like the iphone 7s or the colorized version of the phone instead of just the black case or the silver you could get green red blue whatever um my, my theory at the time was they are sabot- self-sabotaging on purpose so that you're so frustrated with your old device, even though it's a relatively new phone, you felt as though you had an old product subconsciously. And they, they later admitted to that. They, they admitted without really admitting that they, through the update, would slow down your, the, the life expectancy of the battery in order f- for more... Uh, more of the battery to be used on all the other apps that were going to be open and running in the background. Uh, more or less saying we're slowing down your phone on purpose. Even if you want to turn these off, you can't speed up your battery. You can't let make your battery last longer on specific apps that you you want to use on a daily basis. Um, therefore, I at all costs do not update. There are sometimes that, uh, and I hate this. It does automatically it, overnight if you plug in overnight, it automatically updates and. I, I feel like they're doing the exact same thing. Um, I, my old, um, I, two MacBooks ago, I had the same issue with an update. My recent MacBook had an update. Wouldn't run the programs that I had already installed. I, I hate this, but it's the world we live in where you're, you're handcuffed to the technology. And if you don't have it, you have to spend whatever's necessary or deal with how slow your device is, which in many cases just is just not adequate to everyone's walk of life now and how you go about doing work.
0: Well, you were way ahead of this conspiracy and you were proven true uh, when it, it eventually came out that this was happening and it made total sense when you, you first broke it out. I don't want to give Apple any big ideas. Go ahead. But I want to hear this. They have us now. I mean, what's to stop them from just shutting down the phones and getting what they want out of people? Like I mean, like if they, what if, happened with you yesterday? Well, n- not only that, I'm not talking about just individually like, okay, this phone is going to start to give out at this point so we can get more money from this person. I'm talking uh, this is more like, you know, James Cameron movie territory stuff. Yeah. Where a corporation, an evil corporation, I'm not saying they're evil, but if they decided oh, to evil. go completely rogue and evil, just decided you were so you are such a slave to this device now and these products and what we have that we could shut down everything and basically demand ransom from the world. What's to stop Apple from doing that? Because what if everyone's phone just stopped working for a day, for a week, for however
2: long? I mean, how many places? I have feel like a I'm in a
0: movie studio right now pitching an idea for a future action thriller.
2: I mean, I remember we all remember the days. I think everyone listening or watching, for the majority of the audience, you remember where you needed a landline at least to connect to your home security system, right? You don't even need yep. that anymore because it's all run, y'all running that through the internet now instead of your home landline. We paid
0: 10 bucks a month just to have a home line yeah. r- right just with the just phone security company system.
2: just for the security system. Yeah. And I don't even know if you need that anymore. If so Wi-Fi if you did away with cell phones for 24 hours, um, I'm I'm not sure would, would 50% of the audience that you know was going about your daily lives be able to function in a proper way? Would would there be panic in the streets? I realize it, it's a lot like Twitter's not real life. You know, like 90% of the people you walk by aren't signed up for Twitter, as crazy as that sounds. But there is a big chunk of the audience that's carried around a cell phone. They, they may not be cell, signed up on Twitter, but even your grandparents have a, a, a flip phone or an old phone like Chad's, right? So so there's if you did away with cell phones for a day, I'm not sure uh, there would be... Just calm streets and and panic and chaos.
0: Well, this is where Lord. this is where I really It would dominate our show. It would dominate our show and it would dominate a lot of people's lives. I'd say most people's lives. This is where Hutton, our parents' generation really gets the benefit in that it would not affect my dad one bit if his cell phone stopped working. Uh, he still has the home line that he my uses. My mom and dad still else. have theirs. Uh, it's you one know, of the two
2: numbers I know. He
0: he has like Netflix well, and see, a couple streamers,
2: but he's rarely watching them. How many phone numbers can people recall? Like growing up, I could I could call twenty five of my friends. Yeah, I knew any all of my close friends' numbers. Uh, it, yes, and uh, family members, uh, everyone. Um, now. I mean I, I can barely give you Claire's number on and that's when my memory's working great, and then I, I'll never forget my home landline or with Mom and Dad on the farm. Other than that, I'm, I, I could not tell you your phone number.
0: Nope, same here um,
2: so I that would Fine, be the, we agree on that? That would be the other issue is how do you go about contacting people if cell phones shut down for 24 hours?
0: I can uh, I can name Angie's number and I can say my my parents' home number only because it was my home number growing up. So even though they've since moved, they kept the same landline number. The only way I know that, I can still tell you my grandmother who lived next door to me, her number, and she's been dead since 2016, but I can still remember that as a kid growing up because those were the numbers uh, that I would need to call or know for school purposes. You know, we, we talked about the big announcement last week about our launch in Nashville Radio coming back next Monday, and I joke about it, but I, I go to church on Sunday and I hear from four or five older guys who say, Hey, I know this isn't a big deal to everyone, but for the old folks like us, that's a big deal that listen to you guys for a decade in Nashville, and I've been asking every week at church, hey, when are you gonna be back on Nashville radio? But I thought about that because my dad has been asking the same question. But it's my dad who will be saved from the <laughs> Apple apocalypse if and when that day comes that I talked about where they could just hold the world ransom, especially the U.S., if they decide to shut everything down. It will be the, the elderly that's spared at that point because their lives won't really change. And I'll tell you, Hutton, there are times where um, I don't hate that life. Like I look at that and I say, it's it yeah. pretty refreshing that you know, life doesn't really change if your Wi-Fi signal's out. In your house, the way it would for the rest of us.
2: Davey Hudson, uh, uh, in studio with us, sends a text and said, it's a real struggle. He's not speaking from experience. He says, it's a a real struggle when you're trying to remember the number for that one free call from jail. (laughs) Oh, that would be bad. (laughs) You get into that situation. Here's your phone, sir. Sir, you have
0: one call to make.
2: I have no idea who to call. I just call zero,
0: the operator, and I start asking for family members close to me. (laughs) what <laughs> does it count if i call an operator or some sort of help center that then connects me to another call does that count for the one call
2: are operators all automated now that's another question i have well like i know if that you they dial are. zero are from a landline are you getting a real person like you used to uh,
0: well i know it's all automated because yesterday that's what i was getting i was getting a message from t-mobile that was asking me to pay for a collect call in order to call someone every time i dialed anyone's number i got the same automated message
2: Aaron Donald got the extension he was looking for, played the retirement fiddle to a T. Uh, he played the song that, "Hey, I'm I'm content. I'm happy. i uh, three time defensive MVP. I've won the Super Bowl. I'm content with my career. I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'll retire." And instead, he gets paid. They've reworked the, the Rams added no extra years to his current deal. This is what remar- is remarkable about. Aaron Donald's contract extension. The Rams added no extra length to the contract. They just gave him a $40 million raise over what he was already going to earn over the length of the remaining contract. That's to keep him happy, of course. That's to give him an incentive to come back for not just this year, but next year. And then there's a 30, 30 or $35 million year three option if he chooses to return. Um, he's, again, relatively young, um, eight years in the league, certainly uh, playing at an extremely high level. He's the best, I think, there's there's no debate he's the best defensive player in the NFL. Some would try to argue he's the best overall player down for down, period, although we know how the, the quarterback debate factors into this. But yesterday, it's official, he's the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL, and that's for offense or defense. And uh, there's a column now uh, that I wrote that's up at OutKick about who is next on the list now that Donald has been paid, who is happy about that. And because of the calendar and the way things work out, uh, a couple of teams could be happy about this too, not because of the money. Because, again, uh, Donald's in a different tier altogether. Um, there's no one that's going to make Aaron Donald money on defense this offseason. But moving forward, if you're looking to extend a player, I think this gives you at least a a ceiling, a a baseline of where things can start based on his old contract. Um, And we'll get in later this hour to two, I think, really solid examples of players to watch um, who have a couple of years left on their contract but are probably looking to renegotiate, if not this offseason, first thing next year from the team's standpoint.
0: I think it's a a good exercise, Hutton, what you're talking about, to look forward to players who could do this. I also immediately started looking back on players who retired early. Two names come to mind, both the Detroit Lions. What if Barry Sanders would have, instead of just deciding, I don't want to play, decided to come out and say, I'm just not as motivated. I mean, I guess I could be convinced to play another three or four years. And if you're the Lions, what would you renegotiate and pay him over what he was already making to ensure that you have Barry Sanders for three more years? Calvin Johnson's the other Lions example that came to mind. and I'm thinking, Calvin Johnson, in his prime, retired. Now, I give those guys credit in that they were very honest with what they wanted to do, and they did it. They retired when they wanted. They got out. They didn't play games with it. But if you wanted to play business games... And play smart negotiator. What could Calvin Johnson have received from the Lions had he, instead of just up up uh, up and retiring, said, "You know, I could be convinced to come back and play another two or three years"? What would those guys have made? Because that's exactly what Aaron Donald
2: did. Yeah, let, let's let's table this because this is a great point that I haven't thought about over the last twenty four hours. That makes total sense. And both played for the Lions. I think that also factors in a bit here. Um, But what that would mean for guys who were just looking for the payday. I think Donald means more than the payday, but I think the the Rams are definitely showing what he means to their overall plan of trying to run it back. And they've paid him with a huge bonus without getting any extra years tacked on. The extra years are just voidable, which mean nothing really in terms of what they're going to pay him or what it means for him staying long-term. It means more for the salary cap long-term than anything else. More on that later when we come back. Coach JB, Jason Brown from Last Chance You on Netflix. If you know nothing about this show, just consider this question. You're a Juco head coach, and Netflix calls you. What is that conversation like? Jason Brown's next on Outkick 360. First, though.
1: You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. We'll do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
2: From Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw beer and old smoky moonshine. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Pleased to be joined by the former head coach in Last Chance you, Jason Brown. Coach JB, our guest, if there's ever been a guest, Chad, where we would have preferred the uncensored version, JB is uh, <laughs> hes definitely at the top of that list. Coach, I don't know the last time you did a censored interview, uh, but thank you on
1: the front end. Uh, hope you're doing well, man. I uh, appreciate you. No, nah, i done them. I, I do them here and there, man. I'm <laughs> got to play the game, you know? Well, hey, uh,
2: what is it like? I I mentioned this going to break. If someone's never seen the show before, um, everyone can relate, at least I think, to uh, how they would react if they pick up the phone and Netflix is on the other line saying, hey, we'd like to do a uh, more or less a reality show based around your team. What was it like when a producer calls you from Netflix looking to do just that?
1: I told him to get lost the first time. I, I, had nothing to do with it. I didn't want nothing to do with it. I, I never watched it. I still haven't watched my own show. I, I never even knew about the show, uh, the previous one that was in Mississippi or whatever. I didn't watch Netflix. I I, I don't watch Netflix. I'm still not a subscriber. Um, I I don't watch TV really, to be honest. So I you know, and I was kind of po would at my guys because I'm like, uh, you guys watch a lot of dang Netflix. How about recruit? Um, <laughs> around here so you know that was kind of a a deal when they called i was like i don't have nothing to do with it and then uh, i actually spoke to some mentors of mine and um you know division one and nfl buddies of mine and coach and and you know i slept on it and i came back i'm like you know what who am i to deny um a bunch of young folks uh coaches and players an opportunity to kind of uh use the platform to advance themselves. And, um, you know, I've been, that's kind of the definition of a coach anyway, do, you know, get you where you could not get yourself. And that goes for coaches as well under your tutelage. So, you know, I got 13 coaches, division one jobs in, in, in four years there, uh, three and a half years there. And, um, and so, you know, I think it was, uh, worth it at the end, I guess I was kind of the sacrificial lamb in in the whole deal, but apparently, you know, I, I got big shoulders and I, and I accepted it and, you know, I can't look in the rearview mirror. I'm not going that way. So
0: where did, where did Netflix and the producers of Last Chance You get it wrong? I know you said you didn't go back and watch it, but you have had issues with the way certain things may have been portrayed during your two
1: seasons. Where specifically did they get it wrong? You know, the producer, the guy that actually produced it isn't from Netflix. So uh, Greg Whiteley, he did a great job. You know, he's a great guy. You know what I mean? I think the the problem was um, before me and after me has been an issue, in my opinion, in my eyes. Um, before me, it was a guy similar to me, Buddy or whatever his name is. We didn't really see eye to eye in the recruiting trail before this this whole show came about. So we knew each other already in the just in the actual football world of things, and um I never watched the show that he was on. I've seen clips obviously and and uh and and bits and pieces it's the same as mine. They sent it to us early to get ahead of it p r wise me and my boss is like, well, here's a couple you know episodes, so we watched a couple clips of each episode, me and my boss at the time before it aired globally and um you know i I was just like you know. The issue is it's two two fold to answer your question. Like I believe you have a guy who's done shows on Netflix, like the Mitt Romney story, and uh, you know he's done since since my deal, he's done cheer and uh, basketball. Last chance, you he's done these different deals in different genres. I don't believe you can prepare yourself to to film a junior college coach players program and understand it in totality and he struggled with that in my opinion for the simple fact that the things that he cut out mind you they filmed me for 3,800 hours you saw 16 hours of me and the issue I have is you know the Nick Sabans and the, you know the Jimbo Fishers and all these different people that come in the office and tell my bosses like This is the most well-organized, structured program I've ever seen at a community college. I've never seen kids with their pants pulled up and addressing us eye to eye and shaking our hands and lining up after practice. I didn't have to tell them. I taught them on days off. And just like the NFL does on Tuesdays, I did different things on our Mondays. Um, And so we ingrained that in our guys. And that's why you've never seen a kid of mine get kicked out of a four-year go to jail after they leave me. 230 plus division one guys, 27 in the NFL, just had seven more drafted um, this year. And I'm not even coaching. So, you know, it is what it is, but they miss that aspect and they miss me coaching. They don't show me coaching at all. they rather have me running around cussing out babies at Walmart because it gets it gets it gets, you know, it gets it gets uh, ratings. And uh, I found that out. A little bit too late, probably. And, uh, you know, I I also found out they probably should have put me as an executive producer on the show. And, uh, you know, I also found out they made billions of dollars off my name. and I haven't made a dollar. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things to it. But, you know, it is what it is, man. You can't cry over spilled milk now. Well, and you just uh, listed some
0: of the results that you've produced in, in your coaching career with players that you've coached and successes they've had. It's interesting, you brought up Coach Buddy Stevens in the first two years at East Mississippi. From season one to season two, and I, I'm a fan of the show and, and have watched every season, he comes back in season two a changed man in the beginning and says, I went back and watched season one, and I, I was disgusted with myself on camera and the way I spoke and what I did and started going to church more, and you know that lasted about two episodes, and then he was back to what he was in season one after that, but you didn't watch the first season that you were a part of it. Knowing what you know now, if when you get that next chance to coach, do you change anything, even if you haven't watched yourself in those two seasons on Last Chance you?
1: Well, he's fake as hell. That's the first problem you have, okay? So that's why you saw him act like he was someone else because he's fake and wanted to appease other folks. I did not care about no dang cameras. I cared about those babies in my locker room and getting them graduated, educated, and matriculated through the process. I didn't care about myself, my accolades, wins and losses, in junior college mean diddly squat. Nobody cares who won the national junior college championship. You can't tell me who won it, and no one else can last year. So the bottom line is, who cares? It's about getting the kids at a BCS championship with Nick Saban or whoever, you're going to remember that ring that's on your finger, not my junior college ring. So who cares about wins and losses? Wins and losses is not what allows me to go to sleep at night. It's about getting those kids graduated, educated, and make sure they're not dead or buried or in jail uh, when I wake up every morning. And that's why I am the way I am. And that's why I always will do that part of it. Now to answer the other part of it, You know, I don't look in the rearview mirror, man. I took rearview mirrors out of my cars years ago because I don't look in the rearview mirror. It deters you from looking ahead. And I'm never going back that way. I don't have I don't live in regrets. Um, I believe people that apologize are liars. And I think we are who we are, not what we say we are. Uh, Whatever we do is actually who we are. So you see all these different folks out here coming out now crying and, you know, whooping and whopping over what they did. Don't apologize now. You will never find me to apologize. You'll never hear me apologize. If I apologize, I apologize right now in the now because I either misspoke. I said something that was not correct or, um, you know, um, it happened now, though. I will not apologize tomorrow about what I did today. It's just to me, it's the fakest act and um, action you can perform. I I just believe it's. So I I see all these different guys on TV that always want to come out and apologize for bashing a school or bashing this, or a racist statement or, uh, this and that that's who you are, man. Let's keep it 100 and keep it real. You are who you are, not what you say you are. And we have too many of those. Unfortunately, there's a million of them at the four-year level and, 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 uh, it kind of trickles down to the high school level now, and now you have this whole seven on seven circuit and this basically AAU of football, which is a mockery. And uh, you know, it just is what it is, man. I, I don't, I don't live in regret, um, but to say I would change, I would have to if I if I were to coach again. I doubt I ever do. I don't think I'm hireable, but based on the depiction. Um, based on other things that they've done. Um, it's crazy, though, that I can coach 20 years successfully, have the success I had without cameras, and then uh, you know be very targeted in hiring from different administrators across the country. And then a show comes out and depicts you in a way that now I'm basically unhirable and looked at as the devil. It's unbelievable to me. But you got a Idaho state coach who just got fired for murder. Now, let's find out how that cleared. How did you clear him? But I'm sitting here watching, uh, you know, uh, Pat McAfee, my boys, on on, on on his show every day with all these different people. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me, man. It, like, how they clear the process? How did your screening process work at Idaho State? But... um you know, it is what it is, man. I mean, I understand the profession. I understand the business. I have big shoulders. I'm a big boy. I know what it is. There's no reason to cry over spilled milk. And I'm not here to boast about myself. I'm telling you, there's hundreds of coaches I know currently that should be coaching somewhere that aren't because of either nepotism, who you know, what you, uh, you know, who knows you, or just straight politics that, that they've hired these certain people. And the great guys, the great kids have sit out there. And proof is in the pudding, fellas, to be honest, long-winded uh, regard, uh, response. But the proof is in the pudding. Kids are leaving at an all-time rate. They're, they're searching for greener pastures. They're leaving in intertransfer transfer portals for one fact. Bottom line, not even NIL. Let's not even go NIL. They don't believe in the coach who recruited them who now is coaching them. The recruiting coach is a completely different coach than the guy who's actually going to coach you when you step on that campus. They are used car salesmen. They're going to lie to you and tell you every single whisper, sweet nothings. And when you get to the campus, they walk right by you. And kids see that. And remember, you could say a lot of things about these kids. You could call them dumb and slow and all these different words, they're not stupid. And they will see through the BS in a New York minute. And when they find out you've lied to them and in their home, um, that's problem one. And now they're entering the portal. Problem two is I put it back on the kid and the parent. The onus goes on YouTube for no, for lack of research and turning over rocks, because the other portion of you transferring is because you have no competitive fire drive or willing to willingness to compete. And you want to leave as soon as something gets hard And that's on you and your parent for, you know, falling for the Fugazi. So it is what it is. I don't have any regrets, though, to answer your question. But I would have to change because of the so-called progressive life we now live in. Um, But to be honest, I don't know if that's what I want to do.
0: Coach Jason Brown is our guest here on Outkick 360. I'm glad you brought up NIL and everyone's talking about the future. Instead of looking back in the rearview mirror, let's look at the future of the sport and where things maybe were, but where they're headed now in college football. And I'm curious, you talked about, you know, big-time college coaches and the ones that are fake and the ones that are being real to you, uh, and that being a factor with people transferring. I'm curious, you look at NIL and money now being a bit bigger factor, even though it's been a factor for a long time at the highest levels. How many coaches did you come in contact with in all of your time in in junior college coaching at the major college level that you felt like were real with their players and real in the recruiting process and true to who they
1: were once they got your players? Just friends of mine, man. You know, the Lane Kiffins and Sarks, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, guys that I've known for a long time, even – even uh, my buddy that was there at Vanderbilt for a while, uh, out there by you before they they got rid of him, and then he went on to over to Auburn and got out of there. Derek Mason, race. Derek Derek's a good friend of mine. But those guys like that I know are pretty genuine, and I've even heard some stories about some of that. I mean, that's kind of was like, eh. and and I never trust a kid, um, but I also know a, an adult, and I know their motives and goals, and. of the guys at the four-year level are looking for this proverbial bag, they want to call it nowadays, these youngsters. They're looking for the money. They don't care about anything but the contract and the money, the payout. Um, A lot of guys, you know, it's, it's more so the assistants because you see the head coaches are nobody new. These head coaches are recycled. This is a recyclable business. You you can't pay Willie Taggart $18 million to leave and tell me that it's not a recyclable business when they turn around and hire him right back. Well, you were not very good. You got paid $18 million to leave, but yet another school hired you. See, the issue I have is it's these doctorate holding, PhD holding presidents that are basically a waste of sperm. That's really what it comes down to. You hold PhDs and doctorate degrees for a reason. You're a head of a college, an institution of higher learning that brings in students from all over America and the world, international speaking, to come to your institution. Yet you can't hire a coach yourself. You have to hire a search committee too high. So let's make sense of this. You hire a search committee, you pay them a million dollars to find you a coach. You're going to pay $20 million to yet. The search committee's never been on your campus. They don't know your kids. They have not a clue about your dynamic on your, in, uh, your environment or the dynamic that's in, on your campus. And we're going to go find the coach for that group. <laughs> Now, you're telling me that is the if that's not the biggest waste of a degree of a, of a, of a Ph.D. degree, then you can't tell me. And, and the master holding athletic directors, these master degree holding athletic directors are just as bad. I mean, what do they do? You can't. Your job is to hire coaches in the athletic program. That doesn't happen. And presidents don't have any say anymore. So they hire a committee. And to me, it's a mockery. It's a slap in the face. And every single kid that that assistant coach who really has the tie with the kid recruited has now just been pissed away, basically, because now we're going to hire a new coach from a search committee and then I'll probably be fired anyway. And now you see a whole new turnover, a whole new group of kids wanting to leave, whole new group of kids coming in. And now you never have any foundation. There's no culture creation created. And you have this uh, basically a political money making uh, entity, NCAA, non-caring asses of America. And they won't they will not they don't care. I mean, how long they've been making money off these kids. And I said I said I said years ago on my show, the NIL is the worst idea of all time. It's going to implode college football, which it is doing right in front of our face and i said do not give them money for likeness give them money for their scholarships give a give a 85 scholarship people money break it up like a d2 model the big time five star you get the more most money but you get a monthly check for four year, five years 10 semesters which is your scholarship allotment and then we'll break it up if you're a three star we'll break you up you get half or whatever but there's other ways the backup Tackle in the third string corner and the third string DN is not making money and are not selling their jerseys in the student store. And I said that years ago that this is going to be the biggest joke and it's going to create an issue where you're signing guys to the University of Tennessee. Actually, Nico, who I raised since he was a little kid, his dad played with me in junior college. You're signing a guy to pay him millions. And no offense to Nico. I love him. He's going to come out there and you're asking him to play at the University of Tennessee in the SEC without ever seeing him throw a football in the SEC or dealing with that competition level and change from high school. And you're going to pay him all that money when there might be a redshirt junior on your roster who's been there through it, seen it and might outplay him but won't get the job because now you're making it an NFL business. It's professional business. And now you're having to pay Kirk cousins. You're having to play Kirk cousins because you paid Kirk cousins and there's guys better than Kirk cousins on your roster. You won't play though because it's a political deal and that's what college football has become. It's free agency without a return. And unfortunately um, you're seeing it implode in front of our
2: very faces. Coach JB from Last Chance U, our guest on now Kick 360. You can check out the podcast and the YouTube channel, Hate Me Now, Love Me Later podcast available now. Uh more info and merch at CoachJBstore.com. Uh how often
1: do you post the podcast, Coach? I was doing five days a week and then um I stopped. I, I had so much I had so much going on. So I'm doing it three times Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one PM Pacific, uh live on YouTube. And so I I do it three times a week. Um right now so i'm doing that and then uh you know it was growing i'm on the believe network and then uh so i was you know it was getting pretty big and then i had to slow down i've got so many moving parts going on around here um so you know i still don't know what i want to be when i grow up well you got the studio on point man congrats on yeah. that it looks great up here got a got a little got a little deal i set up so it's not bad what's next
2: what's what's on the next podcast what's the next big topic?
1: Oh, I don't know. Probably Phil Mickelson in the in the in, okay. the, in the EGA implosion. Speaking of money, yeah, that's <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Some
2: dollars both, being thrown around there. Both sides have it there, Coach uh, uh, JB.
1: Travel around with Pat Perez, and uh, you know, twenty-one year pro golfer and good friend of mine. And uh, you know, I'm actually in the ropes with him, walking with him when he's playing. So it's pretty unique. And uh, you know, he was against it, and now he's like, you know what? Look what's going on, man. PJ PJ not Danny up. You know, you, these guys are independent contractors. They fly on their own dollar. They pay their own meals. They buy their own uh, Airbnbs, rent them, whatever. And if they don't make the cut, you're out 10, 15. If it's a major, you're at 50K for bringing in family members and housing them. So you don't get a dollar. And I think that is kind of crazy on how much PJ makes. I've seen it personally, man. They're making fist over the hand over fist dollar over dollar. It's crazy. And uh, for them not to get paid on participation, you're you're an elite 153 of whatever golfers there is. is like there's an, you're a one percenter. You you should be getting paid just like Kyrie Irving sitting out games. So what's the difference? Uh, I don't get it. But I don't I don't you know right now Dustin Johnson resigns. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's gonna change some things. Next time you're in
2: Nashville, uh please give us a heads up. We'd love to sit back and record an interview uh that we can edit later because we can go off the off the cuff and and really dive into some topics. Uh we're enjoying the podcast. We'll be sure to catch the next one coming up later this week and uh hopefully this won't be the last visit on the show, coach.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm out there sometimes, man. Eddie George is a good friend of mine, yeah. so I'm out there with Eddie and uh you know, I see, you know, him changing that program doing good things. So, um it's a great great, uh, great, great town you guys got there, and we'd uh, love to, definitely. Appreciate you having me. Well, hopefully we'll see you in person. Thank, Thank you, you so much. All right,
2: guys. There's JB. Coach JB from Last Chance U. He brings the energy, man. Put a microphone on him and let him go. It's a lot to unpack. We'll, 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 a lot of things he just said. We'll do that uh, coming up. We will also hit the headlines coming up. He mentioned uh, a big one from today. We mentioned Aaron Donald, but Dustin Johnson uh, resigning from the PGA Tour, same as Kevin Na that we referenced yesterday. We'll hit all that and more straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coach Jason Brown from Netflix's Last Chance You was our guest last segment, Outkick 360 Rolls On. There will be discussion about. The comments on Tennessee, commitment, Nico, uh, the quarterback. Chad, say his last name. Nico Iamaleava. Thank you. Um, that's going to be the wrap, not just on him, but on the money quarterbacks, specifically the quarterbacks, um, because it's, it's, he mentioned Kirk Cousins as an example of trying to live up to the hype and the expectation of a contract and a guaranteed money where a player is only as good as his overall talent level, not necessarily what he's getting paid. Just because you pay a player more money in free agency in the NFL doesn't make him a better football player. Um, It can increase his value to your team or what he means to that roster, no doubt. But this is now the world we live in, in the world of name-image likeness, where guys who are 16, 17 years old are entering and stepping foot on a college campus, Chad, and now they're having to live up to the monetary expectations of play. If you do it, great. I'm, I mean, based on being the five-star, there are expectations to live up to. But now you're putting NIL behind it and the hype behind it, and then he's recruiting other players to the university on his behalf and the university's behalf. There will be expectations that come with that, and that's kind of the un- you know, undiscussed part of this that is a lot like NFL free agency.
0: Well, and, and you know, Jason Brown talking from the perspective of knowing Nico's dad, uh, knowing Nico since he was a little kid, and talking about the situation at Tennessee. I- I've said this before, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be true. It's the great test case study of college five-star quarterbacks that we're going to yep. witness in Knoxville. Because if Taven Jackson, who's a freshman right now, Or if Joe Milton sticks around for another year and a half and he improves and stops overthrowing everyone, there is a a likely scenario, not likely, but there is a scenario where Nico gets there, is not ready to play right away, and those guys are better options at their point in their career. And Tennessee may still have to start Nico because of the financial commitment and who they brought in, and they don't want to be seen as the school that gets the big five-star quarterback and doesn't start with them right away. So it could lead to problems. But here's the other possibility. He's an absolute stud from day one. And he gets there, and he's the most talented guy on the team. He's the best quarterback. He starts in day one in Nissan Stadium right across the river here against Virginia, and he's good from the beginning, and he becomes
2: great. Then the market is dictated to be, okay, this is what it costs for this guy. There's a big gap, though, between – absolute stud and just being an okay quarterback oh he's got to be a stud and what but how we define that is kind of it's very different now you know there's no time for progression based on the expectations that guys are now living up to because of the sponsor dollarships uh the sponsor dollar and sponsorships that are behind all this a lot more with this coming up later in the show next though nfl headlines with john mcclain